Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the coaches panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the coaches panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 most relevant. Pretty much a third of the way in now, working our way through who I believe are the most relevant players for you to consider in Supercoach, AFL Fantasy and Dream Team for your 2022 seasons. Christian Petrarca is who we're talking about today on the episode. Everything went right for him and his teammates last year, resulting in that ground that groundbreaking grand final victory over in Western Australia, that Norm Smith medal. He, he was sensational for us last year, and yet sneaking under the radar a little bit from a fantasy football perspective. So time to talk about him. On this episode, I could not talk about CP5 without the sole Melbourne supporter of the coaches panel. I got Kane on. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. Yes, a very impactful player and clearly a driving force in, in breaking that premiership drought. But that doesn't mean much as we enter 2022. And as you mentioned off the top, he is a bit of a sleeper. He's a guy that I think um, maybe isn't classed in the same territory as some of those other Uber elite mids. But um, I think the numbers suggest he should be considered. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, just turned 26 years of age, just over a week or so ago, the Melbourne midfielder had career scores last year when it comes to personal best numbers. It was a 153 against Port Adelaide in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, while a 173 in Supercoach. In that same game, both of those scores are career-high scores from him. He averaged 110.8 in AFL Fantasy and 111.3 in Supercoach, meaning in that format, he's going to cost you just over 600 thousand dollars it's spot on 930k in afl fantasy and nine hundred and forty-five thousand three hundred dollars and kane when I, I think back to september and that grand final at, at optus stadium i think everybody except western bulldogs fans watched that game of christian petrarca and just realized what maybe they had known either incidentally or anecdotally in parts over the past two years, but really got rubber stamped on the grandest stage of them all from a footy perspective, that that is Christian Petrarca is an elite player. He's a special talent and somebody that is capable of winning premierships, arguably off his own boot. Yeah, well, he's got that mix in there that he's a match winner, but he's also a good fantasy scorer, which is why he's on this list and, and it's because he has such a well-rounded game you know he, he wins a lot of the ball coincidentally that grand final was a career high 39 disposals which was absolutely prolific he's he kicks more than he handles he's obviously got a marking game he had multiple games with double digit mark can lay a tackle and obviously the x factor that separates him from a lot of mids mm. is his ability to go forward you know he kicks more than a goal a game and had multiple games with two or more goals. So that's yeah. his real X factor. That's why he's very hard to shut down. Um, he's just got that well-rounded game and the physique. How many times in the grand final did you see him push off a player or step a player? Yeah, amazing. Um, and now that he's got that tank, he does have that nice balance of contested and uncontested. You know, he had more yeah. uncontested possessions last year than he's really ever had. Like in terms of that split, you know, he's, he's getting that game. He's getting that easier possession. 
um, which you love to see in a fantasy player, of course. And um, I think there's still another level. Again, I don't think it might be, I don't think you can have better than his best games, but I think you can have sure. more of them. Um, I think that's what you really, really saw from Petrarca was outside of a, you know, a five-week stretch. And you look at that, that low score of the season, that Carlton game, which was a 78 in defense. Yeah. And you think back to the narrative that was going around that game. That was a game that Petrarca was not meant to play. Yeah, it was right, rumored right. to be laid out all week. And he finally fronted up on on game day and, and played. And he, yeah, he still produced a ton in that game in Supercoach. But that was his lowest DT scoring. And maybe that's something that we can read into for the two games prior where he failed to crack the ton in DT and had you know, two poor scores in Supercoach of 78 and 87. So... I know you'll get to the, to the splits he had post buy, but when you start thinking about what was maybe going on at the time and, and how that buy might have helped him freshen up and what he did from the buy all the way through to the grand final, I think that's where people who are fan, like fans of Christian Petrarca and fantasy in 2022 will look at and will gravitate towards those numbers and say, if he can do this for a full season, he's right in the mix at the absolute pointy end. Yeah, and I think that's what's got coaches excited about it. We look through these fantasy numbers in greater detail. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he delivered 14 tonnes, seven over that magical 120 marker, and then five over 130. That That's what we really want to see. When we talk about ceiling in the preseason, I know 120 is a really great marker, but 130 is where you move yourself into this clear and established point where if you've got the VC or the C on this player, you're like, no, nah, I'm taking it. And I'm not thinking, oh, I might have another matchup or I might have a... That, that's the domination of what we want to see. So five 130 plus scores in that format, excellent. Three under 90 all year, you alluded to a couple of those um, games already, including that one poor, quote unquote, game against Carlton where we we're all surprised he played with that 78. He ended the year with an average of 110, which ranked him eighth overall last year in these in this format of Dream Team and Fantasy um, for all players. Eighth best point scorer in the game. He scored more points than these guys. Zach Merritt, Sam Walsh, his teammate, Clayton Oliver, Marcus Bontempelli, and Ben Keys. And some of these guys are seemingly lay-down as their picks for people in their starting squads, and yet Christian's sliding under the radar. But there is a, a world where there's some value in him, and I'll talk about that in a second. Over in Supercoach, 13 tons, eight scores of 120 or plus, five over 130, and three of these 13 tons were over 145. That, when you get that level of ceiling, you're establishing yourself as an absolute legitimate top-tier premium. Just uh, five more, 90-plus, one under 80 all year, ranked in the top 20 across the board for total points and for averages. And Kane, you alluded to it a little bit before, but there was that pre- and post-buy split. Pre-buys in AFL Fantasy 106. That's 13 games. Supercoach going at 105. So fine. Totally fine at that point. Here's what he did in the final nine games of the year. AFL Fantasy, he went on an average of 117, an average of 119 in Supercoach. And for those of you that care in that three domination finals appearances from the Ds, he averaged 116 in AFL Fantasy Dream Team and 138 in Supercoach. I think it's these post-buy numbers matched with the ceiling that we saw and this knowing determination that Christian wants to prove himself as one of the best players in the AFL. He wants to break the paradigms of how people view him as a 
Dustin Martin clone or as a Dangerfield clone or whatever dogged him earlier in the career. He's adamant and driven to continue on giving Melbourne success and to prove himself as a unique individual that is dominating on the AFL landscape. Yeah, I think that's exactly his goal. And I think he's a player that still thinks he's got a lot to offer at AFL level. I don't think he's a player that's satisfied. I think he's someone that thinks about legacy and thinks about, you know, when you've already got a Norm Smith and you've broken a premiership drought, you know, adding a brown low, you know, adding maybe another Norm Smith on premiership. You know, now you start getting into the levels of players Legendary. that you know, we're yeah. really going to remember in the game in, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus years, we're going to be looking back and saying that guy was a player, you know, a generational player that really um, can stand himself on this, on this decade. So I think that's all ahead of him. Uh, I think the reason there might have been some disappointment and some people that were off him is that he did come in at a big average in Supercoach last year. He did. And I think, I think what's positive in that sense is that we knew the 2020 game was unique. And clearly it favoured guys like Petrarca, Neil. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's planted the scores in a way um, that made these guys at top price. Yes. So I think when you're getting this guy, Christian Petrarca, particularly in Supercoach, I think there's a minimum of 10 points upside there. I think there's a 120 year yep. um, I think that's in fair. his career. I think, I think it is this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and just watching the games closely like I did, it was his players in some games, especially his early games, that really, really hurt his Supercoach score. And that's the thing to mind that I think he can level out. You know, yes. We've got too many games to mind where there's a negative 20 differential between his Supercoach and his DT. And that's in DT's favour. You know, there's games where he's got a 124 DT and a 92 Supercoach. Yeah. And, and think about the gun players in Supercoach, you kneel. They're always seen to be putting up 10, 15, and some games up to 30 to 40 point differentials in the super coaches' favour. So Over the other way, yeah. I think that's where he can improve. I think the DT average will be around, I've got him around 115, mm. and I think the super coach is going to be between 120 and 125. I think he's got that game where he's still going to impact the scoreboard clearly. You know, when you're going and you're watching him play, he's, he's a real problem. Um, in the forward line, and he uses it to keep that time on ground nice and high now. You, you look at how many games um, he played in the 90% range, high 80s. Yeah, it's um, very strong. That's something that wasn't a possibility, you know, thinking back to 2019 no. and earlier. And that was when he was playing predominantly forward. So now that he's got this ability to go into the midfield um, and then rest forward and be damaging forward, um, I think that's what makes him really hard to stop. And also, from a super coach point of view, keeps him in the game a lot. Yes. It gives him that opportunity for score involvement, for goals, for all those important things um, that weight in his favour. So I think the hard thing in terms of his relevancy on this list, and the reason I think he couldn't be higher, is um, I don't see how you can really fit him in in, in AFL fantasy. I agree. Um, I think you'd have to be even more bullish than I am and have him reaching the 120 mark in that pick him as a starter. Yes, I agree. Um, I think in DT, he's right in the mix. Again, yep. you're going to be... I think he's a player that could be in my side. Again, it's going to depend a lot on the other players around, around him, what, what sort of comes to light, how everything's sort of shaking out. But again, when you've got five points of value and you're already at a top eight level, you have to be considered in the starting squad, especially with those guys maybe 
coming off, you know, real career years in New Zealand United. Yeah. That can sort of, if there's five points up for the striker and five points down for them, you know, and they're looking at about two to three points a game. Um, you take the cheaper guy, yeah. Yeah, maybe take that cheaper player, use the cash elsewhere. But I think Subicoach is the one because I can genuinely see him, uh, you know, pushing the top two or three quite comfortably in that line. I know that might be a big call for some when he's challenging the likes of, you know, McRae and obviously Steele, these Steel, guys would have done it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there has to be a first year for everything, MJ. You know, True. if we're just going off previous form all the time, we just... We'll always be playing catch-up, yeah. Yeah, you know, you've got to make a call sometimes. And I think that is the format because, like I said, there's too many games for someone of his quality to have these really damaging clangers that just impact his score massively in the wrong way in that format. I think he can tidy that up. I think yep. that would be something that he'd be reflecting on thinking... Where do I, I evolve my game, yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't be making real costly turnovers, particularly by hand. Like, that's something in Supercoach that really kills you. If you ever clang a handball, <sighs> it just really impacts that score. And he does that a bit. You know, he's, he's doing a lot in that midfield. He's doing a lot in congestion, but sometimes he does just... Um, maybe do a little bit too much and not just give that simple give that just keeps your score ticking over. Yes. And you know that's what, you know, McCray and Anil, when yeah. they're at their best, they do that. They yep. just move the ball on and just keep working. I think Christian's at that point now, he doesn't need to do everything. You know, no. There's a lot of players in that team that can tick over. So I think he fixes that up. And I think that's where the, the major relevancy is. Yeah. Super coach. I think, as I said, have a player of his quality be going one for one in terms of his DT and Supercoach average. I don't think that's something that happens year in, year out. I think we get back to what we saw in 2020, where it's about a 10-point differential between DT and Supercoach. Yeah, and I think that's got to be the the story behind how and why you choose to get him. Because you talked about those, those turnovers and clangers. He's ranked third in the AFL per game for turnovers and for clangers. Now, part of that is just purely he's getting so much of the ball. And, and he does try to take the game on. But for me, I think there's a couple of elements through here for coaches that are looking for a reason to start him as an upgrade and those looking to start him in their starting squad. The way you choose to might look at him as an upgrade option is last year, he had only five games in AFL Fantasy between round two and round six and four games in Super, super Coach between round nine and round 12, 12 where he scored consecutive tons. Outside of that, so, so when you contrast him to the Neils um, in Supercoach, the McCrays, the Mitchells, the Steels, the Millers, the, these big boys of fantasy footy, which to pick him, you're banking on him being that. That's not enough consecutive tons. Now, there's not that many basement scores, sure, so that might help it out. But I think that's the kind of thing coaches might look at and go, okay, that's enough of a reason for me to, to not go there. The other might be, you're not convinced he's a captaincy option. I think there's some ceiling to suggest he can be, um, but that might be a reason. There is a world where he's eight points per game of value um, in terms of price based on what he did over those final nine games and finals of the year. I think he's a top 10 midfielder across the formats this year. The only other reason you might choose not to start him across formats, and again, I think it's more dream team and super coach. I don't think in AFL fantasy, I think there's better value that could be comparable to him. Um, the reason would be simply this, is you don't think as good as he's going to be, which I still think will be very, very good, you don't think that will be enough to be a top eight averaging midfielder and point scoring midfielder for the year. You, you think the narrative would be, you think 
Miller continues on. Steele continues on. McRae continues on his merry way. So does Miller. Uh, a Josh Kelly, who... Okay, I had to fit him in this episode, Bye. didn't I? You, you tell yourself he's not going to be enough as good as he's going to be. That's the other justification if you can't see a scoring trend dip away from him. It must be then more around others around him evolve and get better or stronger. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, MJ. So you've got more confidence in the Tom Mitchells, you've got more confidence in the Walshers and the Brayshaws. Um, you have to make that call, you know. Is, is he going to jump at Jared Lyons? That's probably the type of guy that, you know. Yeah, we talked about him just the other day on the 50, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that's the thing. It's, it's weighing up. Well, that's the thing with fantasy. You can't just go on a limb and pick one player. You have to analyse without analysing everyone else. You know, as I said, if you think there's some regression for Lyons, some regression for Steele and Miller, which, to be honest, looking at their numbers, you'd say there will be. Yeah. The nature of how big those scores were. Um, you know, I think the Sharks can get really close to them. And again, yeah. if, that's a, if that's a differential in cash that lets you do a thing here or there, we spoke about on the podcast the other day, MJ, that you know, 50K here and there adds up really quick. You change your whole, you change your whole structure. Can give you a bit of extra stability. Yeah. So um, nothing is assured in this game. No. You might just think, you know, no. you think about a Neil last year. You got to start him because look what he did last year. He's not Take the year so away big. from you, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, that's the type of thing. And again, he was um, he had an injury preseason. There's all these things that you have to take into effect. Yep. And I just think this is a guy that again, he's already at a top eight level in DT. Yeah. He's already. Top 15 supercars, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's going to be guys, and your guy might be Rory Laird, your guy might be Brayshaw, sure. could be Petrarca, whoever you whoever you gravitate towards. But you have to consider this guy... In um, relation to this. Yeah. And again, especially in salary cap, where there's a cash differential. I'm sure we'll get into drafts shortly. Yeah. When you're getting cash to take this guy, and I, and I think back, MJ, to this season, this, this past season we had 2021, when we had the guy in round, you know, round 14, people were weighing up. Do I take Oliver? Do I take Petrarca? Petrarca. And a lot of people took Oliver. At top price. And again, he's a, he's a very good player. We all know that. Scored a we big 200, people, yep. Yeah, well, he is an absolute gun, isn't he? Yeah, but oh, no doubt. If you think about what he did post-buy and the price you were paying, you know, in DT... It was clearly in Petrarca's favour. Absolutely. You know, he was he was giving you ten points better a game yep. for the last nine rounds. Yeah. You know, you think about Supercoach, it was, you know, a couple points in Oliver's favour. But again, you gotta think about what you were paying for. And we know when you're doing those final upgrades, saving yeah. money. It makes massive. such a so difference. Yeah. I think that's the guy that you just gotta consider. Again, he won't be for everyone. Not no. everyone will be as bullish on him as I am. Sure. And that's okay. Yep. But again, if you're going to improve your squad, you have to sometimes make these decisions. And again, you might have so much cash that you go, you know what, I thought I'd want Petrarca in my team, but I've got so much cash, I just feel safer with steel. Sure. Great. Fine. There might be a situation where you go, oh, I need to get this rookie off the field. I need to get this mid price up to a premium. I just don't feel comfortable with this structure. And maybe that's where you go. Petrarca gets me there. A, yeah, you know, maybe you can spend a steel and a Petrarca comes down and you think that extra cash can be used elsewhere. So you've got to consider every pick and that's what makes this game 
so fun and interesting is that uh, you change one variable in your side and all of a sudden there's another hundred doors you've got to consider. So yeah, the inputs just and consider outputs. him, just look for yourself and just see what you think. You know, maybe you're not, a, you're not thinking Melbourne's going to be back in the mix again. It didn't sure. really seem to bother him last year in terms of his, his win and loss um, splits. Yep. But um, again, just make that call. Just have a look because he, he's not getting any love. I've barely seen him in a side no. um, this preseason. Yep. Um, just have a look. Yeah, I think that's a really fair call. Um, if you're ever unsure about how to split a player, um, one of the more simple ways, it, it, you can make it more complex than this, but from a just a pure simplicity, is you look at the premium midfielders that are in that same byline um, and, and go, okay, where do I rate and rank him? There's more elements and ingredients and variables I would be putting into place, but if just from a very icing top-tier level, you, you put him against the guys that are in that line and go, okay, North Melbourne, do, do I rate him in a similar or higher or lower spot to a Jai Simpkin? With Brisbane, he's got the Lockie Neal. He, he's got Jared Lyons, who we talked about the other day in the 50 most relevant. Collingwood, is that Taylor Adams? Is there another premium midfielder? Fremantle, Nat Fifes and Andrew Brayshaws and Caleb Sarongs, who we talked about um, just the other day. In fact, yesterday uh, on the 50 most relevant. It's Hawthorne with Tom Mitchell, and then, of course, Melbourne and his teammate, Clayton Oliver. It's, that's that's a very simplistic view of it. There's more you should put into it, but that is a way if you're not certain. But there's another thing, MJ, that people need to think of, and I think it gets overblown in the preseason in particular, is that oh, he's not a top eight guy, or he's not a top six guy in his line. And I think what you've always got to remember is it's not just about having those type of players. It's about the relative value. That's if, right if Christian Petrarca is 14th mid, and he goes at 115. And doesn't and miss. The, and the 6th mid is at 117. Yeah. I don't really care that he's he's not a top 8 mid. No, that's right. Especially I, if there's 50, 60, 70k price. difference. Yeah. Well, if I've got 60, 70k, and then I've put that on something else, that's the thing I think you need to think about. It's not just about, the oh, he can't, get, he can't get top, top 8, sure. or he can't get top 6, and that's for any player. You know, yep. you don't need a defender to get, you know, 96 if they're priced at 80 and they gave you 92 like that's right. going to be probably more valuable than just getting the 95 guys you you know saved 150k cash so don't just close your mind off and think oh they can't they can't get to that level i'm not going to start them even if you think they present value because um getting top eight doesn't really matter when you think about a season mj how many times is it that oh we wanted this guy to he started the first you know, 11 rounds of the season at 115. I need to bring him in. He's a top eight player, top eight player. And he finishes the year going at 100 in the second half. Yeah. And the guy you really should have been looking at was the guy that was going at 95 in the first 11 Correct. and then came home with 115. So that's Correct. what's so silly about this whole thing is the game is about total points. You don't get bonus points because your player finished in the top eight in their line or the top six in their line or the top two in their line. Yep. It's about getting the most points across your whole team. So just... Keep that in mind when you're evaluating all the players um, in your salary cap format. Yeah, it's a really good bit of advice. Let's talk about drafts and where he goes. He's going off the board in the top 30 to 35 picks easily. Um, He's not a first-round selection in my eyes um, in any formats of the game. He'll be somebody's M1. Um, in an ultimate footy AFL fantasy dream team scoring draft. Maybe an M2 if they draft a midfielder in their first round. I, I can see in those formats of the games, he's probably a second round, might drift to the very early third, 
while in Supercoach, where he is ranked um, as the 16th for total points, 19th for averages, he might drift maybe a further round back. So might be a, a very early, a very late second through to late third, maybe even early fourth, depending on how people value the other allocated lines beyond the midfield, but certainly in the top 30 to 35 picks across every drafting format. Yeah, and again, timing's going to be going to be key on this. You know, yes. if I'm as hot as I am on a guy like Petrarca, I still want to get good value in the in the pick. So at the right time, yes. At the right time, you know. Again, if you're thinking he's a top thirty player, you know, based how I've got him, and obviously you got to, it only takes one player in a draft to ruin these type of plans. Of but, course. You know, if you're in if you're in a ten team league, um, you start thinking, well, if I'm around the bottom of the first round, you know, pick ten, eleven. That means I'm coming back at 30. Um, so maybe if you're about pick eight and you can get him at pick 28, sure. maybe that's where you feel really, really good. You've already locked in two other players um, prior to getting him. Um, but I think with how even it is, that's probably what those type of guys are going to be. You might be in love with a Petrarca, but uh, if he doesn't fall to you, you're probably going to get a guy that's um, quite comparable because as we know in draft MJ, there is no salary cap. So no. you don't have to be splitting these guys like Steele and Petrarca and saying, oh, at least I get the cash with the Petrarca thing and I can do something else. In draft, it's just players. So um, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, you know, going crazy in the top 10. No, um, I agree. But I think at the, at the bottom of the second, for me, if he's around the 20 mark and you really love him and um, there's some other players off the board, but it does feel like that midfield line yes. in particular, there's about 15 guys that can really challenge Maybe even twenty can challenge. Yeah, depending on the format. Eight yeah. type of range. Yeah, it's um, an interesting bunch of guys. I think one thing that might draw people to him over some of the other premiums um, is there's no positional concern about him, and also there's no durability concerns. He's missed just one game since 2017, and so that those are the elements that might be enough where you go, oh, I like, I do like Callum Mills, but. I love the durability and the lack of questions about him. Or I love Andrew Brayshaw, but I'll, I'll take Petrarca because I feel safer. And and so these are all the elements floating around in coaches' heads as they're heading into draft day and in the mix of those minute or so that they've got to make a pick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing with draft. I think with the durability, with the upside, and it's funny, I have a thing as well where I just think they're a good player. Like, it's very hard to take for example, in DT, a Ben Tease ahead of Christian Petrarca. Yes. Because you know what Petrarca's going to be doing. He's got, you know, role certainty. He's got all these things that are guaranteed because he is one of the best players in his team. Yes. So I think that's where, you know, he gets those edges. And maybe that's why a guy like Jared Lyons in the past has slid down because there's been that perception that he's, he's not on that level. But sure. um, when you've got the name of Petrarca now, Norm Smith winner, premiership side, um, yeah. I don't think he's going to slide too far in a lot of formats. No, I, I don't see many drafts where where you'll be looking in the outside of the top 40 picks going, how is he still here? He's just way too good of a player. Hey, mate, I appreciate your work today on this episode. Talking about, I know, one of your favourite players in the AFL. No worries, Enzo. My you, pleasure. Oh, mate, if you want to go and read the article or gloss back over uh, how good Christian Petrarca could be or any of the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, the good news is you can go and check out all those articles at coachespanel.tv. You can go back and listen to all these podcast episodes. Maybe now as you're into the middle part of January, you're only just now rethinking 
about your fantasy footy sides again, well, jump on back, right back to 50 with Riley O'Brien and all the other 15 or so odd players we've revealed. There is hours already of content for you to go and listen to and thousands upon thousands of words for you to go and read at coachespanel.tv. Plenty for you to get involved and excited about. Well, tomorrow we hit really the other side of the mid-range of the 30s. Number 34 in the 50 most relevant and a player that I'm a big fan of, like a real fan of. He could be in his line one of two options. The greatest value premium that we just have to have. He could also just be a good option, but never enough to push the upper echelon in his line. Who is this player that could be a beast for us at his starting price or could just hold form and not quite be enough? Who is he? I'll tell you about tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.